Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. That was beautiful. Thank you, Sister Jennifer. We are certainly blessed as everybody contributes to our congregation, every part of the body doing its part. It was mentioned in the intercessory prayer by Pastor Murray what a, a beautiful Sabbath it is today. Uh, I think this is just perfect weather. And I know some of us might think it would be great if we had this all the time. But we don't. Uh, we have beautiful weather. We also have bad weather. If we were builders, if we were in the construction industry, we would not build buildings for a day like today. There would be a building code that would force us to build for bad weather. We, we would have to anticipate the kind of weather and other types of uh, natural disasters that Canada has. And so we would build according to the building code for Ontario, for this part of the world. Unfortunately, in China, and China has been exploding economically and their cities have been exploding and as a result many people moving into the cities and so they are building very fast and unfortunately there was corruption in the Chinese government and the construction industry and buildings were being put up not according to code and people were living in these buildings these were their homes and when bad weather came these buildings collapsed and many people lost their lives. Think about that, brethren, as we go to Matthew 7 to begin. Matthew 7. Where Jesus Christ talks about this condition of cutting corners when we're building. Taking shortcuts. And not building according to code. In Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24... He says, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, the building code, we've heard the building code, and does them, we build according to code, I will liken him unto a wise man, which builds his house upon a rock. And when the bad weather comes, when the rain descended and the floods came, the natural disasters and the winds blew and beat upon that house, What's in view here is the house. It's been built. And now this energy is coming against the house. And it fell not. It stood its ground. Why? Because it was founded upon a rock. It was built according to code. Build it on a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine, hears the building code, but does them not, does not build according to code, He shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, not according to code. And then the bad weather came, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house. Again, the house is in view. All of this energy is on the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. It was a great fall. Today is a beautiful day. We don't build for today. The weather will not remain the way it is today. I'm no prophet, but I've been around long enough to know we have seasons. And this season will come to an end. And another season of harsher weather will come. And so we must live in structures that are built according to code. What I want to do for the sermon today is focus on our building code and ask the question, are we building our house according to code? Or are we like the foolish man that thinks we can cut corners and build on sand? And then we're surprised When the bad weather comes, 
We're surprised when the natural disaster comes. We're surprised, as Deacon Jan spoke this morning, or earlier today, when the persecution comes. We have fine weather today. Sabbath, we can meet, we can greet, we can explore God's word. It's good weather. What about when the bad weather comes? Have we built according to code? Let's look. This, this building code is not just from Christ. As again, we heard in the Bible study, Christ continues to work on earth through the church. He continues to teach through the church. And so after he died and was resurrected, he continued to instruct the church on how to build through his apostles. And let's look at this building code in Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter 1. Second Peter, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So we know now who is writing. It is Peter, a servant, faithful servant, and an apostle, one sent by Christ himself. Who is he writing to? To them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Would you say, does this sound like we're talking about false believers, imposters, people who are pretending? Or does this sound like the apostle writing to the faithful? I think it sounds like the faithful. So these are brethren who have obtained like precious faith with us, the apostles. Peter is not saying, you know, I'm this holy apostle and I'm on level five. And I'm writing to you lowly members on level one. And if you're good, I hope that one day you'll be like me. He's saying, no, I'm writing to you because you've obtained the same precious faith that we have. How did you obtain this faith? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. God wants to bless us with grace and peace. And not in a half measure. He wants this grace and peace to be multiplied to us. How? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace are multiplied through knowledge. We can't be ignorant. Teaching is central to Christianity. We can't be a church that diminishes teaching, that diminishes learning, that diminishes study, and expect to be blessed. With grace and peace. Because the grace and peace are multiplied to us through the knowledge of God. And through the knowledge of Jesus. So knowledge is central to Christianity. We must know. According as his divine power. His being the father. His divine power has given unto us. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Again, we see the centrality of knowledge. But what we also see is that God, through his divine power, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We are here pursuing eternal life. We are here pursuing godliness. We can be comforted because the scripture tells us that God has given us everything that we need to obtain eternal life and godliness. Everything. 
through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So hold that thought. Through his divine power, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. We have these promises. God has made promises to us. And God is a God of his word. God is a God of covenant. He never breaks his word. So we can believe in these exceedingly great promises, precious promises. I was watching a, a documentary on, on the plane this week on um, the Hubble telescope, how the trouble they had launching this thing and getting it corrected and getting it out into space. And once they were able to correct it, the pictures that they've been able to send back to Earth and their estimate now, so our galaxy is one of 200 billion galaxies. This is one. Each galaxy, they estimate, has a hundred billion suns in it. 200 billion galaxies, each of them with a hundred billion suns. This is what they're seeing now. The scripture says, we we, with the saints, shall inherit all things. I would say these are exceeding great and precious promises. And God has given us everything we need to obtain this eternal life and inherit this universe, which, by the way, is expanding at an accelerated rate. The, the, the scientists are confused. According to their Big Bang theory, at some point it should be slowing down and then even contracting because of the force of gravity. Instead, what they're seeing is it's expanding and the expansion is accelerating. And they're saying they don't understand. We understand. This is eternal life. This is where we will be for eternity after the thousand year reign on earth. whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature, becoming part of God's family, being partakers of this divine nature through these promises, understanding, knowledge, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Human beings are designed, unfortunately, since the fall of Adam, to be self-centered and to want to know what's in it for me. This is the spirit of lust. The scripture is telling us, with these divine, greatly, exceedingly great and precious promises, that we have escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust, and we might be partakers of the divine nature. So, somebody's coming to us, offering us the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, and when we compare that, like Moses, to the promises of God, we're happy to leave this behind. Even if it means we must suffer for a while. Because these are exceeding great and precious promises. So we want to be like God. We want to have God's nature. What is God's nature? God is love. God is love. God is concerned about others. God sends his son to earth. His son empties himself of the Godhead. Comes to earth. And we sang it. He's above all, but he places us above himself. He makes us his priority and sacrifices himself for us. This is the divine nature. This is the nature that we want. We're not concerned about self. 
We're concerned about others. And because of this nature, we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. It, it doesn't influence us. It doesn't attract us. We're not interested. We're interested in these great promises. The King James now says in verse 5, and besides this, I, I prefer the uh, NASB, which renders this, now for this very reason, because of this, because we have escaped the corruption that's in the world, and because we have now the ability to develop the divine nature, for this very reason, and now the mood shifts from what's called the indicative mood to the imperative. Instead of telling us what is real, now he tells us what to do about it. So because we are partakers in the divine nature, because we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, because God has made exceedingly great promises to us for this very reason, giving all diligence, put our whole heart into this. This is real. This is it. There's the finish line. We're being timed. Give it all you've got. There's no rewind. For this very reason, giving all diligence, add. This is the imperative. Add. God says... I'm going to multiply. I'm going to multiply grace and peace to you. For this very reason, add. This is, an, this is a command. This is the building code. This is what to do to build our house for what's coming. The foolish man thought that the weather was always going to be like today. And so he thought it's okay if I build on sand. The wise man said, the weather's not always going to be like today. I need to build according to code. So when the weather changed, the house stood. So here's the building code. Add to your faith. So we begin with faith. We believe in Jesus Christ. We know him. We believe in God the Father. We believe in his word. We believe his word is good. When God makes a promise, you can search the scriptures backwards and forwards. He never breaks it. God's word is good. We believe in God's word. Now, that's where we start. He's given us everything we need. But we have work to do. It's not that he does everything for us. Oh, Christ has done it all. I don't need to do anything. No, no, no. We have work to do. And in fact, the work that we have to do, we have to do it with all diligence, full out. It's not just that we have work to do. We have a, we have a lot of work to do, and we must do it with zeal. A, a great analogy is the farmer. God calls you to be a farmer. But he doesn't just call you to be a farmer. He buys the farm for you. He buys the equipment he gives you all the seed. He gives you all the animals. He gives you everything you need to be a successful farmer. But you have work to do. If you sit back and do nothing, you will be, I will be a colossal disaster, a complete failure. But God gives us everything we need to be successful. We still have to get up early in the morning. We still have to do backbreaking work. But we will enjoy the harvest together if we do our part. God gives us everything we need for these great, exceedingly great and precious promises. Eternal life. He's given us everything. But now, because of this very reason, we must go full out and do our part. For this very reason. It's, it's, the, it's the opposite of what traditional Christianity says. Where they would say, for this very, very reason, you don't have anything to do. The scripture says, for this very reason, build according to code. Because you don't want to lose out. I don't want to miss out. Bad weather is coming. Build according to code. 
because we've been given these exceedingly great and precious promises and bad weather is coming. We don't want to lose out. For this very reason, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Again, we see knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Knowledge is critical. Knowledge is central. Virtue, the Greek word aret, arete, is uncommon character worthy of praise. Excellence of character. The Greeks would define it as fitness for use. That if something is excellent, it's excellent in the function for which it was built. So an excellent lectern is the best at being a lectern. An excellent microphone is best in class at being a microphone. So this is what they would understand by virtue, by excellence. For us, we're not capable of excellence. I hope I don't insult you by saying you don't have excellence. I don't have excellence on our own. Our path to excellence is through the Holy Spirit. God is excellent. His Spirit is excellent. When His Spirit is in us and expresses itself, we express excellence. So add to your faith excellence. In other words, as you receive the Holy Spirit, understand your function. And be fit for use. Be the best at your function. You're not me. I'm not you. But we can both be excellent. And we can both edify the body with our excellence. Add to your excellence knowledge. And we're doing this with all diligence. Now, Pastor Murray gave an exceptional message on this very passage. And for those of you who weren't here, he brought in two pies, lemon meringue pies. And those of us who are here will never forget this. And he presented the pies to us and asked us, what is the difference? They didn't look the same, but he assured us that the ingredients in both pies were exactly the same. And he asked us, what's the difference? One was a lovely pie. The other was a disaster. And we couldn't figure out what the difference was. And then he revealed to us the difference was the order in which, I was going to say he, but maybe it was his wife, uh, in which Lisa put the ingredients in The pie that worked out, she put the ingredients in according to the instructions. In the pie that didn't work out, she put the ingredients in the way she felt. This list, he said, is a list that is given in order. Add this, then add this, then add this. So although the gifts that give us excellence, are critical. And although, in fact, I would say, without our gift, we are dysfunctional. We must pursue our gift to be functional Christians. We function in the body with our gift. So not to have our gift is dysfunctional. Having the gift is critical. At least one gift, but we can have multiple gifts. But we must know how the Holy Spirit furnishes us. Knowledge is critical. The scripture makes it clear that God blesses us, multiplies grace and peace to us through knowledge. We must have knowledge. But, according to Pastor Murray, we must be aware that this is an ordered list. If it's an ordered list, what I'll propose then is that Excellence and knowledge are lower order 
elements. It's good to have gifts. It's critical to have knowledge. But don't stop there. These are lower order instructions. And if we stop there, we'll be dysfunctional. So we have seven attributes, and I'm going to propose that the first two are lower order, the next three are middle order, and the final two are the highest order. And we must give all diligence to develop these attributes in order, according to building code, one upon the next, in order to get to the highest level. The next set of codes in verse 6, or the next set of attributes. And to knowledge, temperance, or self-control. To temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. So we start out with faith. We believe. We repent, we're baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit. We understand that the Spirit puts us in the body as a member. We need to understand what member are we? Where do we fit in the body? We're not standalone Christians. We don't have any value by ourselves. We're members of a body. So am I a nose? Am I an eye? Am I a toenail? What am I? Let me be the best toenail I can be. That's excellence. I'm not comparing myself to Brother Gord. He's an ear. He's an excellent ear. I'm not trying to be an ear. I'm trying to be a little toe because that's my function and I'm going to be the best little toe I can be. But like the Corinthians, that's not enough. The Corinthians became competitive with their gifts, trying to outdo one another. So great they have the gift, but without knowledge, they're dysfunctional. Without the gift, they're dysfunctional, but with the gift, without knowledge, they're dysfunctional. We need the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that Christ is a body. So now when I understand that, I can use my gift functionally as part of a body. But what does the scripture say about knowledge? Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge is destructive. When you get drunk on knowledge, you become a destructive member. You become like a cancer in the body because knowledge puffs up. You don't know how much I know. You wouldn't believe how much study I was doing this week. Oh, I just know so much. It's hard being drunk on this knowledge not to think I'm better than you. So not only am I gifted, I'm knowledgeable too. And I'm like a train wreck now. I'm moving through the body causing havoc. I insult you because I think I'm better than you. And I hurt your feelings, but I don't care. Because isn't it all about me? So we need to start here, but we can't stop here. We need to move on. And we need to develop self-control. Self-control now says, it's not all about me. It's not all about what I want. I don't have to have my way all the time. I can control myself. Remember, we've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Lust is about out-of-control self-desire. I've got to get some control on this. No, I won't have another cupcake. Even though I want to, I'm going to govern myself. I'm not going to have another drink. I'm not going to engage in immorality. Even though the carnal part of me may want all these things. If I don't govern myself, I'm going to be dysfunctional in the body. So I must have self-control. But this self-control won't last if I don't have patience. It's he who endures to the end that will be saved. So it's great to have self-control. You know, I think we've all been there where we're on some kind of special diet or we've made some sort of special pledge and it lasts for a while and then we go back to old behavior. That's that's self-control, but it doesn't last without patience. Endurance. And to endurance, we must add godliness. We care about God. We care about the things of God. This is critical. 
But all of this at the mid-level, we can still be self-oriented. Godliness can still lead to self-righteousness. I'm a godly man. I'm devoted to God. Every day I'm in the Bible. Every day I'm praying. I'm fasting regularly. All godly, devoted behaviors. And you know what? I don't understand why these people have all these problems. Why can't they get their act together like me? So these, these attributes are critical, but we can still be dysfunctional until we get to the highest level, which then speaks of love, which enables us to move beyond self-centeredness, beyond self-orientation to other orientation, from inward focus to outward focus. This is when these attributes really kick into gear. And really become valuable to the body, to God. I think most of us are aware of the Muslim potential attack on the train in Belgium. I think it was yesterday or Thursday. And aware of the U.S. Marines, two two U.S. Marines and a British man who jumped in, risking their lives to subdue this Muslim. And protect the passengers. He had an AK-47. I think it's called a Klashnikov. And he was just going to mow down up to 500 people. And this tragedy was averted. Because these heroes were other oriented. They were concerned about the passengers on the train. And they risked their own lives to save these passengers. Well, if you're a U.S. Marine, you are trained to do this. When crisis strikes... You run toward the danger to take care of it. On the same train, at the same time, we had the train crew, the staff, the service staff, who are there to be other-oriented, to look after. Can I help you with your luggage? Would you like a meal? This is the service staff. When this Muslim came with his AK-47, their faces went pale with terror. And the passengers saw them running through the train to their special cabin where they had a special key that they could open in a special way to get in this special cabin, lock the door, and leave the passengers to destruction. This is how we are wired. If we are not programming ourselves to be other-oriented, then we are self-oriented. And in fair weather, it all looks good. But when the weather changes, Satan says to God about Job, skin for skin, all that a man has will he give up to save his life. Yeah, he understands mankind. So I'm, I'm a pastor here. Fair weather. Everything okay? Can I help you with your luggage? Would you like another meal? Can I get you something from the potluck? Somebody comes in here with an AK-47. I've got my special key. I hope it all works out for you. The good shepherd lays down his life for the flock. We've got to wire ourselves, build according to code, so that we are other-oriented. So now we come to the higher virtues. Verse 7, when we get to this level of godliness, we care about the things of God. Now we add Philadelphia, brotherly kindness, brotherly love, concern about others. This is now the higher order development. Christians must grow. It's tragic. We've all seen it. Where we see brothers or sisters We've known them for years. And years later, we can say, that person hasn't changed. I mean, you know, we want to hear that maybe physically as we get older. You haven't changed a bit. But spiritually, that means we're stagnant. Christians must grow. We must be all about growth. And so there there needs to be some level where, yes, we have faith. 
Yes, we are gifted. Yes, we have knowledge. Yes, we have um, patience, godliness, patience, temp- uh, temperance, patience, godliness, self-control, endurance, godliness. Wonderful. Now we're in middle school. Let's go on. Let's get to the higher order. The highest order is love. Philadelphia, agape. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12, this is where the Apostle Paul explains to the Corinthians, and I think we're very familiar with this, how the body of Christ functions. It has many members, but it's one body. And the members are gifted to perform their particular function to edify the body. And then he tells them in verse 31, to covet earnestly the best gifts. It's the same thing that Peter is saying. Give all diligence to pursue excellence. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Be excellent. Be your function in the best way that you can be. And then he says, and yet I'm going to show you a more excellent way. He goes from lower order to highest order. Gifts are where we start. You're gifted, wonderful. You're in kindergarten. The body of Christ is not about self. The body of Christ is about other. So, here's the gift, but love is the highest order. So, pursue these gifts, earnestly go after them, but let me tell you about the highest order, which is agape. So, he goes then, in chapter 13, to tell them about agape, and then look at chapter 14. In chapter 14, verse 1, so chapter 13 being an inset chapter, a, a, a paragraph or parenthetical chapter, so he sort of went off course from his argument just to tell them about love, or tell them about agape, they need to understand this, this is the higher order. Then he comes back to where he was. He interrupted himself in chap- from chapter 12. So he summarizes chapter 13 by saying, follow after agape. That's critical. That's, an, that's, that's the highest order. Pursue agape. And desire spiritual gifts. That's the summary of chapter 12. So in the first two phrases here, he summarizes chapter 13, and he summarizes chapter 12, and then he gets back to where he was. So pursue agape. Desire excellence in your gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So the best gift he's saying is the gift or those gifts that edify the body. So love enables you to pursue the gifts, not to be great. Not so that people are looking at you and say, wow, you're amazing. You don't want that. Christ is amazing. And the church is Christ's body. So you want the gifts So that you can edify the body. So yes, pursue the gifts. That's the lower order. But pursue agape. That's the highest order. So that it's a full circle. So that as you go back to the lower order imperative, you're doing it in the context of other, not self. 1 Corinthians 8. So first the gifts are important, but love is the highest order. Love gives context and direction to the gifts. Otherwise, we we can be like the Muslim with the AK-47. Even though we're in Christ, even though we're gifted, we're using our talents to destroy the body. It must be guided by love. 1 Corinthians 8, same Corinthian congregation. 
Now, as touching things offered unto idols, so they were asking him about these uh, meat that was sacrificed to idols. Look what he says to the congregation. We know that we all have knowledge. So pursue excellence, pursue knowledge. We all have gifts. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're gifted. And we all have knowledge. What does knowledge do? Knowledge is of the lower order. It's critical, but it's lower order. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge is this drug that it just makes you feel better and superior to others. So the more knowledge we get, the more at risk we are to falling to pray to the devil. So knowledge puffs up, but charity, agape, edifies. Lower order, higher order. We need the higher order to guide the lower order attributes. We need, I need to use my knowledge, you need to use your knowledge to edify the body. To be, to be empowered by agape. Anyway, verse 2, if any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. You think you know something? I think I know something? Christ is not impressed. There is so much more that they want to teach us. And we're drunk on, on the little bit that we think we know. And Christ is saying, you don't know anything yet through Paul as you ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. That's what matters. This is the higher order, agape. Drop down to verse 7. Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge. So not, not everybody has this particular knowledge about idols. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. And through your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? Brethren, we, we need to understand this instruction. The brethren in Christ were purchased with Christ's own blood. Will we take our gifts? Will we take our knowledge? Will we take our lower order attributes and become so arrogant that we will cause pain to our brother? Because, well, I know. Let me tell you, because I, I've studied this. Let me tell you. And have no regard for your feelings, for the outcome, for your discouragement. This is lower order. This is falling into the hands of the devil. The higher order is to realize Jesus Christ came to earth and died to purchase his body. Let me be very careful how I treat the body. Let me strengthen the body, not weaken it. But knowledge puffs up. And through knowledge, we can destroy our brother. Matthew 24. Pastor Murray. Gave us the count, 23 days to trumpets. So we are in this period between Pentecost, the giving of the Spirit, the founding of the church, the church age, and trumpets, the return of Jesus Christ. So we're in the church age. The church is the body of Christ on earth. We are waiting for the return of our Savior, the return of our King. It's called trumpets. It is a cataclysmic day. It is the day he comes and makes war with the Gentile rebels and he crushes their rebellion. It's a cataclysmic day. Before that day, there is some very nasty weather. Very nasty weather. This is why we must build according to code. It is ugly before Christ returns. He says, before he returns, 
you know, the, from, from man's perspective, there will be this great kingdom, Satan's kingdom, before he returns. From God's perspective and the perspective of the saints, it is a beast like no other. It is ferocious and it tears apart and it prevails against the saints. This is the bad weather that's coming. This is prophecy. This beast that is coming prevails against the saints. It's not that the saints can face this beast and say, I command you in the name of Jesus, sit down. This beast is ferocious, and God says it will have its way with the saints. Matthew 24, verse 7. For a nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are just the beginning of the bad weather. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations, of all Gentile nations. This is the time of the Gentiles, not the time of Israel. You shall be hated of the Gentiles for my name's sake. And then, at this time, those who were not building on the rock, those who were not developing the character of Christ, those who were in the lower order attributes. I'm gifted. I have knowledge. I'm very patient. I'm a very godly man. This is all lower order stuff in fair weather. It's very nice. Look at me now. How do you like me? Don't I look good? Okay. And then, verse 10, shall many be offended. And shall betray one another. I've got the special key. Let me just let myself in here and lock the door. And I hope it works out for you. Because I was not developing Philadelphia. I was not developing agape. I was in the lower order. About knowledge. Giftedness. Many shall be offended. And shall betray one another. I care so much about me. I will sell you out. You want their address? Let, 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 let me write it down for you. Let, let me take you there. Just spare me my life. And many shall hate one another. They never developed the love. And so Satan is able to infect them with hate. Love is the antidote to hate. If we are growing in love, we will not hate because we're not focused on ourselves. I hate when things don't go my way. When things don't go my way and I'm all about agape, as long as God is in charge. If he said this is what's going to happen, I'm good. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. So many are going to be deceived. And because iniquity shall abound, the weather's going to change, brethren. It's fair weather now. I've got to tell you, don't build for this weather. Build for this weather. Build according to code. So when this weather comes, your house stands. God's house stands. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. They were in the lower order. They were drunk on the lower order attributes. They got the pie, or they developed the pie, that no one can eat. There's no harvest. We've got to do this in order and build towards these higher order attributes. Let's go back to 1 Peter. Sorry, let's go to 1 Peter. We were in 2 Peter. Let's quickly just look at 1 Peter. I was looking at this map that Brother Jan shared with us. This was all Christian land. Jerusalem is now surrounded by Muslim kingdoms who are buying a doctrine that says they must hate the Jew. 
They must destroy the Jew. And the scripture tells us, when we see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, what kind of armies would these be that hate the Jew? She's surrounded. When she's surrounded, the desolation thereof is near. They need to run for their lives. And this doctrine is not just against the Jew. It's against the Jew and the Christian. And it is designed to exterminate both. Bad weather's coming. We must build love. We must love our enemies. We must, want, we must bring the gospel to our enemies. Maybe there's a Paul in there. Maybe there's somebody in there that when they come to understand the truth, they repent and they love Christ so much that they spread the gospel as Paul did. We've got to develop this love. We don't hate. We love. 1 Peter 1.13 Gird up your loins of your mind. Get ready for the build according to code. Get ready for the weather. Be sober and hope to the end in the promises of God. The grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. These are the great and precious promises. As obedient children, building according to code, following the instructions, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust, self-centeredness. And drop down to verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So we start with the lower order, but we're obeying the truth, following these instructions, building according to the code, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. That's the higher order. Loving the brethren. That's when we know that we are mature in Christ. When we love the brethren, when we'll lay down our lives for the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. This is it. With giving all diligence. Really put our heart into this. And get to this higher order. Where we are useful in the body. But we're useful in the body because we are informed by love. And we really, truly, with fervent hearts... Love the brethren. Let's go back to Second Peter. How's everyone doing? Good? Okay. That was my introduction. <laughs> no, we'll do a part two. I'll, 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 uh, I'll wrap up. Second uh, Peter, verse eight. Remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to those who have obtained like precious faith as the apostles. He is speaking to the brethren. And he says this after giving them the building code. For if. If. If these things be in you and abound, they're increasing in you, are building according to the code. If you, if you really go after this and give all diligence, and if these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So knowledge is critical, but you can be unfruitful. Faith is critical, but we can be unfruitful. He is speaking to the faithful, and he's saying, if. And only if these things are in us and they're increasing, we're growing, we're putting our whole heart into this. And we get to that level of agape. Philadelphia, true brotherly love. Agape. We'll sacrifice ourselves for others. We love the whole world. We love our enemies. Our love no longer depends on the behavior of the recipient of the love. The recipient can be the most hateful person out to destroy us. Agape doesn't change. God loved the world so much, this evil, corrupt world, that he gave his only begotten son. We need to be like our father. He sends the rain on the good, the just, and the unjust. We love, we, we have developed this where we cannot be moved. Because we love the just, we love the brethren, and we love the unjust. 
We want to see them know Christ. Oh, the surprise when people come to know Jesus Christ is God. And they have been following the Antichrist and railing against Christ. And they will be judged by Christ. And we will be with him. And we still want to love them. We want to lead them to repentance. But I hope, brethren, that we can preach the gospel now and save some now. I was just watching uh, or reading this morning of uh, a child, four years old, beheading a teddy bear. This is what's coming, brethren. In 20 years, that child will be so wired for hate that I don't know if the gospel can reach that kind of mind. But if we could get to the parents now and teach them Christ now, and they could come to repentance now and retrain that child at four to love, not hate. Now, now they have a path to the kingdom. I'm afraid that some of these children that are going to grow in this way will become incorrigible. I don't know if they will ever come to know Christ. I'm afraid. We must preach the gospel regardless of the behavior of the recipient. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our our Lord. In other words, you can have obtained, obtained like precious faith as the apostles. We can have the knowledge. We can have the gifts. We can have it all. But we're not diligent about this. We're not doing the work. We've been given everything we need, but we sit back and we take it easy. And when the bad weather comes, we have been found out that we did not build according to code. And the house fell, and great was the fall of it. Let me, let me say this, brethren. If you drop down to... Well, verse 9, he that lacks these things, he, the the faithful brother, he that has obtained like precious faith as us, he that lacks these things, hasn't been building according to code, is blind and cannot see the bad weather that's coming. God tells us bad weather is coming. Build according to code. The brother or the sister that is not building according to code They're not seeing what's coming. They think it's always going to be great weather. Not only that, he cannot see what's coming. He's also forgotten the past. He's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Knowledge does this. Knowledge makes us arrogant. We we need to remember what we've been purged from. And so grateful to God that we, we are just so grateful to be in the body. That we esteem others better than ourselves because we have not forgotten what we were purged from. And we are diligent in building because we see what's coming. This Peter, he says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Not once saved, always saved. No. Not once saved, always saved. Be careful. God has given us everything. Because he's given us everything, for this very reason, go full out. In building according to code. So he says it again. Go full out. Wherefore the rather. On the contrary brethren. Give brethren. Brethren. Not false brethren. Brethren. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. In other words it could be unsure. For if. You do these things. If you build according to code. You shall never fail. In other words. You can fail. If you don't build according to code. We haven't gone through the bad weather yet. I can tell you, I'm a faithful man. Ask me on the other side of the bad weather, if my house is still standing. We have to get through the bad weather. And we do that by building according to code. We will see who's who, who's who in the zoo, when we get through the bad weather. Let's give full diligence to build according to code. He says here, for in this way, Verse 11, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the Peter, brethren. He says here in verse 12, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. I remember I was speaking at a feast last year, and after a sermon, a a lady made a point of coming up to me to tell me, you didn't teach me anything new. I, I wish I remembered this scripture at the time, to say, that's not my job. My job is to put you in remembrance of what you know. You have to do what you know. Are we doing all we know? So he says here, I'm not going to be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yes, I think it appropriate, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And verse 15, he says here, or in verse 14, look at this. Knowing shortly I must put off this body, this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. In other words, this is the Peter. This is the Peter. That when the lady looked at him and said, "Uh, you're a Galilean. You were with Christ. He swore that he, he was not with Christ. And he denied Christ, betrayed Christ three times to save his own skin. Now, Christ tells him, you're going to be martyred. And he writes to the brethren, and he doesn't say, brethren, I'm about to be slaughtered. Could you all please get together and fast and pray for me? Because I really don't want to be slaughtered. He writes to them and says, I'm about to be slaughtered. Make sure you build according to code. Agape. Peter has grown from having faith all the way to having agape, where now he's about to be slaughtered, and his final words are, build according to code, so that you can get through the bad weather. Prophecy tells me, as a pastor, the future may not be bright. My job is to develop agape in order so that it sticks. If I don't have these lower order attributes, then I'm playing at agape. If I have these lower order attributes, agape will stick. And my job is to love you, love the world, preach the gospel. And to remind you and myself, let's build according to code. Because Christ said, if we follow his instructions, he will liken us to a wise man that builds on a rock. Christ being that rock. If we play at this, you know, Pastor Murray gave us this example to say, here are two pies. Ingredients are exactly the same. What's the difference? Order. We can't develop agape without developing the foundation for it. Let's build according to code so that when the great storm comes we're standing let's conclude brethren in chapter 3 chapter 3 verse 11 seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved we know this We we can see through to trumpets and beyond. We have the sure word of prophecy. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in your conduct? In other words, how you should be building according to code, since you know what's coming. And godliness. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. And we know that trumpets doesn't come without this ferocious beast coming on the scene first. So we've got to get through this. Looking and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, when he comes, he will render judgment. Judgment is mine, says the Lord. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, these precious, precious promises, we hold him at his word. We believe in his word. According to his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth. They want this earth. Let them have it. 
We look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Therefore, beloved, seeing that you're not blind, you've built according to code, you see such things, you look for such things, be diligent. Be diligent. Go after this with all your heart, that you may be found of him in peace. Not everyone's going to be found of him in peace. We're going to build diligently according to code so that we can be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. We will have achieved this agape level maturity. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. It's giving us time to build according to code. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given to him, has written unto you. Verse 17. You therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, Beware, lest you also, you beloved, you faithful brethren, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall. You didn't build according to code. Bad weather came, and you fell from your own steadfastness. Instead, verse 18, grow. Christians must grow. We must feed on the word of grow. We must start at the lower order. We start with faith. We start with excellence. But we grow to agape. We grow from self-orientation to other orientation. We say we love God, but we hate our brother. We're a liar. True growth, true maturity. We love our brothers. We love the world. We love our enemies. Grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Brethren, I'll say it again. Bad weather's coming. Let's build according to code. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.